Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go-go-go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. everyone. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today I am Maddie on and I'd actually interviewed Maddie's mom, Mara, a few weeks ago. And Mara told the story of Maddie's vaccine injury from the Pfizer vaccine and from her point of view. And during that conversation, Maddie came in at the tail end and I felt like we really clicked and we hit it off. And Maddie was gracious enough to come and to share her perspective. So I thought it'd be really cool to have the mom, uh, mom's perspective, but also Maddie's perspective because she's the one who lived it. So thank you, Maddie, for coming on. I really appreciate this. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you were going to school for what? I still am going to school okay. with um, a biological sciences degree. So as of right now, I have to take a fifth year due to everything that has happened. So um, unfortunately, with my health conditions that occurred um, last year, kind of slowed me down a bit. I guess you could say some speed bumps. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I was suffering a bit more with cognitive problems. So I've had to cut down on my classes a bit and kind of spread myself out. But, you know, going with the flow. But yeah, so biological sciences um, originally was on a pre-med track. And, um, you know, things have had to change a little bit. Um, I've always been very, very passionate about helping other people and um, specifically medicine. I think science has always been very, very intriguing for me. Just ever since I was born, I think I was just asking questions like every two seconds. Yeah. And um, I think that's really like translated into what I was passionate about now. And um, I don't know, I worked alongside a doctor and I worked in a hospital for two and a half years um, on different floors and doing that kind of like helped me realize that medicine was my passion. So okay, studying that at the time. Yeah. Okay. And you're in undergrad or graduate school? I'm an undergrad. At okay. Time. Yeah. So, and you're in the state of California, right? Mm-hmm. And California is known for some of the strictest 
policies regarding all vaccinations. If a lot of doctors, um, even if they tried to write a true medical exemption for someone maybe who had anaphylaxis, uh, if they wrote too many of their doctor or their license would actually be revoked. So I'm assuming the uh, COVID vaccine was required by your school. So for my school, I think in the beginning, they were actually trying to require it. And um, that was like the peak of my situation. So that's kind of when my story went viral. And I had a couple of lawyers actually on my side that were helping with my team, Um, like me, my mom, and um, kind of like a few faculty members, I think, and other people at Chapman. And um, just trying to work on, you know, making it more of a choice. And I can't say whether or not that it is what made them change their mind, but I know it could have been a, you know, a part of it. And so Chapman, instead of forcing it, just highly, highly stressed it. So, um, you know, of course they're going to try to push it on people still, but instead of requiring it, they made it to where, um, if you had it, you're good. You don't have to really do anything other than like click a button that says I haven't been around anyone with COVID vaccine or COVID-19 yep. 24 hours before you entered your classroom. If you didn't have it, you had to get tested twice a week at our on-site testing. So okay. kind of tough if you have like scheduling issues, but I mean, if you don't want to get the vaccine, there was still an option for you, which was nice. And now did you have to, uh, what about boosters? Yeah. Like, so if you got the booster, did you fall in the category of you got it and you just had to click that button or did you fall in the category of you had to then test twice a week? Yeah. So I, for the beginning part of entering back into school, so I think my first semester, I counted as vaccinated because they said it was just like the two shots. Um, and then, you know, everything came out that three is now the new vaccinated. So um, anyone who didn't get their booster would now had to test. So back into, for me, at least I have to test because even though I had my two, but I'm not getting my third, I'm considered unvaccinated. That's wild. That's wild. So give me a brief overview. I know I heard it from your mom's point of view. Um, but you got the first shot and I think you had like a little bit, if I recall correctly, you had a little bit of a reaction, but nothing, super crazy. And then that second one is really when things started to go downhill. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my first one, I just got like a little motion sickness and they always tell you like, you're going to feel a little weird to feel a little funky maybe, but that's normal. So I went with it. And then the second one kind of the same thing, but I guess I should have been a little bit more concerned given that I had like two days worth of like a 103, 104 fever, which apparently is really, really bad. Um, and I didn't go to the hospital and I even talked to other people to get advice on whether or not I should go in that moment because I was getting a little nervous and everyone's like, no, like you get, you get fevers. It's okay. No big deal. And, um, I definitely wish I would have in like hindsight 2020, um, my doctor that helped me with treatment even told me that having a fever that high can actually be kind of damaging for your body and your brain. So now I know 104 fever, I need to go to the ER just in case. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, I got really sick in that moment and then it died down and then it went from kind of smaller symptoms. I didn't think related at all. I had um, issues in my wrist, thought I was just sleeping funky and, you know, maybe I just injured it and things just started to go kind of snowball effect from there. I went to a doctor after a while. Um, I'm not a person like, even though I was someone who wanted to be a doctor, I was not the person that would run to want to go see a doctor. And let's say like knew I had a reason. Yeah. And once I was like crying myself to sleep over my wrist, I was like, okay, maybe it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, 
I can't even hold a pencil. I can't do my finals right now because I can't even hold my pen. It's dropping to the floor and I'm like crying because I'm on a time limit and I can't hold a pen. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is the time. So I go, um, they're like confused because it seems fine. They're almost like trying to find a problem with me because it doesn't make sense. And before they do anything, they're like, let's just do some nerve studies and whatever. And, you know, I mean, one thing I learned through this experience is, you know, getting a, a doctor's appointment is not the quickest thing which is really hard when you have something like me where I got worse week by week and it just got continuously worse. So by the time I was able to see someone, I ended up being, you know, numb all the way to my back. And that's where I got kind of in my head about what was going on. Um, My neurologist at the time that saw me for that test um, told me that I had a way bigger problem on hand and I need to check my brain out. And that's when I totally shut down. My face was like white and all I could think about is like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have cancer. I have a tumor. I, have, I went through like, oh yeah, the, the worst case of- scenarios. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like when a doctor tells you that you're like spiraling. Oh yeah. And I was like, I was here for my hand and you're telling me my brain's broken. Like I was like, yeah, totally freaking out. She said something was up with my foot and I was like, I've never even noticed that. So I was like, oh my gosh, totally freaking. Um, lots of cry sessions in cars, car ride homes from doctor's appointments for sure. And um, things just kind of continuously got worse day by day, like parts of my body were just going more numb and paralyzed. And I just had no understanding of why. And I think that was like the weirdest part is like, you're just like waking up with a new problem and you have no explanation and no doctors telling you what's going on with you. And it got to the point where like, I was kind of joking around. Like, I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole with my symptoms. Like there's a new thing popping up. I finish one and I get another and I remember I'd go to my mom in the morning and be like, guess what? Got a new one today. <laughs> and, and I would just try to like make the, make light of it, I guess. Um, I always had a backpack packed next to me to my bed with everything I'd need for the ER because I was going to the ER every other night, it felt like. Been there, done that. Yeah. I was getting like new different ER outfits, putting on my matching sweat fits, you know, oh, yeah. just trying to make it. Yeah, make sure you have the chargers for your phone. Make sure you have a book in case, you know, yep. Yep, all those things. Yep. The snacks, do you try and like sneak in the water bottles, you know, when they tell you you can't eat or drink, like you never know how long you're going to be there. Yeah, totally. I remember my mom and I, which is like not good healthy wise, but we were on our way and I was like, mom, I need, a, I need food. I think we got to stop at Chick-fil-A. And I'm like half paralyzed on the legs, but I was like, <laughs> I need food because I know we're going to be in that ER waiting for hours and I need food. So we yeah. munched on Chick-fil-A half crying and then went into the ER. <laughs> I, I mean, that's something I would do. So like, yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, you know that you're going to be there and they'd be like, oh, you want some graham cracker? And you'd be like, no, I need food, food. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, so then I, I kind of try to make light of those moments too. I utilize my time. I'm like, I like to be productive. So I may have been like going very downhill, but I was still studying for the MCAT at this point. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I brought like all my MCAT study books and I had flashcards. I'd be in a gurney, like studying. And all the doctors and nurses would walk past me looking at me like, what are you doing? Yep. Like, why are you doing that right now to yourself? But I was like, I'm not letting this mess me up. Like I can't, I can't. So that was, I think my mom thought it was crazy. <laughs> I feel like it probably gave you something else to focus on, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And it gave you something to control. Yeah. Because in a, in a moments where you have no control, no one can give you any answers. Mm-hmm. You could control that. Yeah, totally. And I also think a part of me was like, I just want to know what's wrong. And what I was learning at the time 
was kind of connecting with a lot of my issues. Okay. So I wasn't trying to like self-diagnose by any means, but I think like trying to understand like what these doctors are telling me, what these like hormones in my body do, why I'm lacking this, why I'm lacking that and why this is happening. It kind of comforted me a little bit. Yep. So I think that also helped. Um, but yeah, definitely a distraction for sure. Not what the typical person's distraction would be. Though. <laughs> Listen, that would have been my, that was my distraction. I would bring like study books in and like, yeah. they would be like, what, what are you doing? And I'd be like, yeah. well, you know, I, I have an exam. I remember I went into anaphylactic shock at one point and I had to do a, I suppose it was like a math uh, presentation or something in undergrad. Yeah. And they're like, okay. I was like, they like, give me all like the EpiPens and stuff. And then I like try to leave and they're like, no, you need to sit here for a few hours. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I have to go to class. And they're like, we'll call your teacher. It's fine. I was yep. like, no, no, no. Yep. I'm the same way. There was a point where I had, I think I had like a midterm and that night I, my heart rate was like through the roof. Like I was unwell, thought I was going to faint. And I was like, but I need to do this midterm. And I was like, Maddie, no, you need to give yourself grace. Go to the ER. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm totally the same way. It's it's it, I don't know. It, it's so weird how, like I said, I think it comes down to control. To be honest with you, like those yeah. are the things you can control when everything else is going wrong. Yeah, and I also think part of me, like looking back on it, I don't think I like fully understood what was happening. Like, yeah, in the moment, sure, but like. I did not realize how big and how bad I really was. And I'm still kind of like looking back on it now, I'm still trying to like understand it because I don't think I gave myself enough time to, I don't know, just like soak it all in and like go through all those, oh, this is loud, sorry, um, go through all those, like, I don't know, like the denial, the grief, guilt, like all of that. I didn't yep. get to do any of that because it happened like boom, 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 boom. I got worse so fast within a short period of time last July it's like I blinked and I all of a sudden was on my deathbed pretty much and um it was just getting tougher because none of the doctors were being helpful they were telling me like I just had like stomach problems if I couldn't swallow my food and I was like not eating and like literally crying tears of death because I it hurt so much to drink water like a sip they're like oh you just have acid reflux issues so take some Tums and like Advil did they tell you it was all in your head at any point Oh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. When it came, oh man, that's like around that time, almost around this time exactly, um, a year ago, I had done a series of tests, like over a hundred plus tests for my neurologist. And basically what I was, what they told me, which not very comforting to hear from a doctor, but you are a walking mystery. And so I was being told that, which was like, great, um, cool. You guys are supposed to know the answers and you don't know anything about what's wrong with me. So instead of like them knowing, they said, let's take all these tests, let's do all these tests and let's just do a process of elimination. So I pretty much did quite literally every test possible, like for, even for diseases that are like so rare and from like different parts of like the world. Um, blood tests, I did urine, like tons of urine tests, stool tests. I had to do diabetes tests, like everything and at this point I was also at like my peak of sick so it was just so hard on my body to do any of these things I almost passed out during my blood tests at my blood test itself they took over like 32 35 vials at once and I have a fear of needles and blood which I know is weird because I wanted to be a doctor but 
in that moment, oh my gosh, my skin was crawling. I was sweating. I was like holding back, throwing up and fainting. It was really, really bad. Just tough on my body. Um, but went through all of that and had to wait for all those results. And I finally was like, okay, we're going to get something out of it. And I get back the results and I, and me, of course, being like this girl who likes science sees all the results and I'm looking up everything, trying to understand what they all mean. Yep. And, um, I was pretty normal, surprisingly. Um, all my labs are pretty normal besides some flags for autoimmune diseases, which I found after I went to an autoimmune doctor, um, that it's actually kind of common. A lot of people get false negatives, especially for like inflammation and half my body was inflamed. So it wasn't surprising. And like the rest of me was healthy. So it didn't make any sense for me to have an autoimmune disease. So that was checked out, but, um, everything was fine. And so when I went to my neurologist trying to get these answers, sat me down and I think the worst part was that I walked into the office after I've seen him a few times and um, he forgot who I was. And he was like, who are you? And I was like, you couldn't have even like read my chart before you walked into the room. Like, like for me, I'm sitting there, like you have my whole life in your hands. You're about to tell me what's wrong with yeah. me. And he's like, who are you then? Why are you here? And I was like, okay. Like I just took like 17. It's literally my, my test like results, like 14, 17 pages, like a thick packet. Yeah. And it was his first time reading through them in front of me. And I was like, you've had these results for two weeks and you're looking at them like, just like, it's like a newspaper for two seconds, like real quick and tossing it and goes, all right, don't take this the wrong way, but, um, you're, you're just making everything up. Shut and up. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. He goes, there's nothing wrong in your lab. So I think um, you have a type of like psychosis and you're making this up. (laughs) And I sat there and even his nurse that was working with him, like she also knew he was just in the wrong for that. And we all just sat there in silence. And I was like looking at my mom, looking at the nurse. Like I I couldn't, like we had masks on and my mouth, my jaw was like down to the ground. And he continues and he's like, yeah, um, look at your arms, those bruises. Maybe something's happening at home that you're not telling us about. Are you getting abused? Is your mom abusing you? And my mom and I are sitting there like, well, who are you to say that, first of all? And I'm like, these bruises are from the ER visits I've had this week. Thank you very much. If you looked at my charts, maybe you'd know that. And he just like didn't seem to give a care in the world. He told me that maybe it was because I had a bad breakup and I have a bad boy problem that I'm not talking about. So I'm just creating these issues for attention. And, um, and then once I literally go, first of all, I would never let a boy do that to me. And second of all, I don't even have a boy in my life for that to occur. So you're wrong. And then I was like, I should have to be explaining my boy problems to my neurologist. Yeah. Like of all the things I should be explaining to you, this is not on the list. And then he goes, ah, I figured it out. Med school. And I was like, what? And he goes, you're studying for the MCAT, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, that's a lot of stress. And he goes, look at what your body's doing. Clearly, you're not fit to be a doctor. What makes you think you'd ever be able to do this? Look at you now. And what makes you think that you could ever be a doctor like me? And I I, I was so taken back that somebody would say that to me as a doctor. And like, especially because it was at the same hospital that I'd been working at for two and a half years. And so I'm like, I've put so much time into helping other people. And I'm so passionate about it. And you don't know a single ounce of like anything about me. So like, how dare you put me down when I'm already down? 
And so I was just silent. I was just like, okay. Um, he wanted to try to put me on um, probably like antidepressants or something mm-hmm. along those lines. And I remember telling him no, because I am physically dying. So of course I'm going to be upset, but I am not anywhere near depressed. Like I'm handling the situation better than my mother <laughs> and I'm the one going through it. So like, I'm totally okay. It's very normal to be upset about what I'm going through, but I'm handling it amazingly. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And the conversation ended, he leaves and the nurse just goes, so what do you think about what he had to say? And I go, I think it's absolutely BS because I know myself more than that man knows me. And I know my body and I know that something's very wrong. And I remember sitting there and like my legs were still, I wasn't really able to walk like on and off. And they were still like, I couldn't feel them. I was having like the shuffling feet when I was walking like a zombie kind of. And I'm like, I'm at a neurologist's office and he didn't even do a single like, what's it called when they like hit your bones? The reflex test. Yeah, the reflex test. Yeah. He didn't even do that. He didn't even touch you. He didn't even touch me. So he thinks I'm making it all up, but I'm like, you didn't even test me. That's not something you can make up. Like it's literally a reflex. It's like, you can't make that up. The rage I have going through me right now. Oh, (sighs) me and my mom after that, I have never been more angry in my life in a car ride because I was just like, that was supposed to be my holy grail moment that I had like something figured out. And now I've just been like talked down by a doctor telling me I have boy problems. My mom's abusing me and I shouldn't be a doctor and none of which helps me with my situation. And it really made me mad because I know 100% it was an ego thing and that he wasn't able to figure me out. And rather than him being like, hey, you know what? I have no idea. Let me see if I can refer you to somebody who can help you or let me refer you to a different doctor. It was, you have problems in your head. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, that is really, really common. Doctors, a, a lot of them, they, they yeah. can't, they didn't know the phrase, I don't know. It's like they're incapable of saying that. And so they call you a hypochondriac. They sell you, it's all in your head. You know, the acid reflux, the, like, I've heard all of those things, you know, you know, do you want some antidepressants? Do you want some pain meds? Here's some, Mm -hmm. you know, I, Motrin 800, like throwing stuff at me like candy. I could go into any office and be like my arm back, whatever hurts. And they would be like, okay, what pills do you want? Yeah. And I, I, I could get anything. Mm-hmm. I could get anything. Yeah. And when I s- started refusing them, it confused them so much. That's exactly. <laughs> I was about to say that when, when she was like, Oh, like, how do you think about that conversation or whatever? I was like, you know, BS, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I want you to run these tests. I want you to take these vitamins and then we can see your levels and we'll do more tests and like doing stuff more about my mental health than like anything else. Cause apparently I was crazy. And I literally was like, I'm never coming back to this office. So don't waste your time on prescribing me anything because I'm not going to take anything. Like, I don't need your bandages. I need help, like genuine care and help. So I'm not going to find it here and I'll find it somewhere else. Well, you compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And the girl was like, you know what? I agree. And as you walked out of the room, she's like, I think you need to find a different doctor. She's like, don't give up keep pushing. She's like, you're not the first person to walk into this office with the same exact issues. And so that was like the first time that I was like, okay, there's clearly other people that are going through this and I need to figure out what the heck's going on. And, um, we leave. And I think that was like, oh, was it the time? Oh no, there's a different time. Um, yeah, yeah. We leave. 
and just upset at the world, life, everything. And um, that was when I was like really, really, really bad. Nothing was getting better. Um, The only time I felt better was when they hooked me up to this like insane painkiller for a second, just so that I could at least swallow half of a sip of water when I was in the ER, but that was about it. Um, Came home and I pretty much told everybody that I was done. Um, I had no more like fight in me just because I don't want to tear up. Um, (laughs) Just because like it got so upsetting because the hospital and the ER and these doctors are supposed to go, like you're supposed to be able to go there when something's wrong and you're supposed to feel like you'll get help. And for me, it was like, I'm getting worse when I go. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Because they're telling me, come back in when you get worse. And one, if I get worse, I'm literally going to be dead. And two, there's nothing you guys can do for me anyways, because you told me you've done everything you can do and you don't understand what's wrong with me. Right. So I'm like stuck in a hard place. And that's just like, I'm not the only person. There's thousands of other people who are damning me that feel the exact same way. And you're just stuck. Yeah. And that's where I was for the longest time. Um, And that's when my mom posted my story on Instagram. And then um, someone reached out to me with like help, Um, told me her story a little bit and like how Dr. Galili helped her get back to normal. She's like, was like me with the um, strength issues and like couldn't walk all that stuff. And now she's like running and weightlifting. And I was like, oh my gosh, please, please give me his like phone number, anything, please. Oh my gosh. And he jumped to helping me like within two seconds. And I had so much like blind faith in this man. I had no idea who he was. And I was like, please, like, if you can tell me you can help me, I'll take it because I'm got nothing left. I have nothing to lose at this point. Yep. I get that. So we go up and he ended up actually supposed to be on vacation for that week for his birthday. And he came into the office just for me. So it was just me, um, my mom, him and his office manager and he sat me down we talked and he was like you're not the only one going through this I've seen this he's like and I'm gonna help I'm gonna fix you like we're gonna do this you and me and I like bawling bawling oh yeah oh yeah oh 100 and I'm like I still at this point didn't know if he actually could but I was like okay like I literally thought he was like Jesus in my eyes because oh yeah yeah I haven't had positivity from a doctor once or answers any answers nothing and so um he was like, do you trust me? Like, are you ready to just do this? Cause we're going to have to hit it full force in order for us to like, make sure you can get better before you're too far, like into the process to get you back. And I literally was like, Dr. G do whatever you got to do. Like I got full trust in you. And, um, we started, you know, doing our treatments and within the first treatment, I was like halfway through it and able to close my fist. And I'm like bawling my eyes out about closing my hand. And that was like a huge moment for me. Cause I hadn't been able to do it for five months. But like looking back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really cried about closing my hands, something I can do all the time now. But like at that point, it was the biggest deal in my whole life. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) those little things that you take for granted that you don't realize how big they are. And then they're taken away and you realize how big they are. And so you celebrate those little things. Yeah, it was definitely a very emotional day. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, we just continued those and I kept getting better and better. And, um, I was able to help other people find him and help them get on the road to recovery too. And things have been going on the up since then, which is really great. Um, I think now I'm still kind of just dealing with like the cognitive stuff, which I told you about that kind of goes in phases and 
better now, but of recent, I was kind of going through, I was like kind of like mental health issues with it. And I think it was like me finally catching up with the denial and the grief and like all of that, because it was like a year later. And now I'm like, how was I like that a year ago? And now I'm able to live my life normally. And it's just kind of like freaky how fast it all flashed by, I guess. But yeah, it's kind of where I'm at right now. So first of all, for viewers who can't see me, I am tearing up um, for for so many reasons, but this episode is not about me, but for so many reasons, because I can relate to a lot of the things that you have said. But one question that's been bugging me is you said you wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. How has this experience changed how you view medicine? And do you still want to be a traditional doctor? Yeah. So um, I can't be a doctor, unfortunately. Um, all the med schools require the vaccine right now, and they won't accept an exemption for it. So can't. Um, that's also why I had to quit my hospital job. So I had to give up. Um, for I was in a program at a hospital, and I had to give up running the mother-baby unit, which I was very passionate about doing. Um, and I wasn't able to finish kind of my experience there just because they mandated it in the hospital as well. So um, not my choice to quit, which kind of sucks because, you know, when you have your mind set on something for so long, it's really hard to like change so drastically. And I've been putting so much time into school and studying and like working with doctors and doing stuff out of school for it, that it's tough. Um, But when I was going through this process, I think one thing that people didn't understand and they were almost getting mad at me for was that I wasn't upset per se, like at vaccines and wasn't upset at, doctors I was upset at my doctors (laughs) but like I know that there's good ones out there and like Dr. G is an example of that and I of course never really understood the other side of medicine like functional medicine and natural medicine like I do now and I have a really high respect for it because why aren't we utilizing something that's natural and good for our bodies yep um but I also think that there are pluses like from western medicine and I think going through both sides And from like working in the hospitals, from literally being the person helping the patients to me being in that same ER and being the patient and having my own friends care for me and be my like medical scribes, I physically was able to see both sides of it. And um, with that, I learned how important it is to really listen. And I think even outside of like a a doctor career field, it's really, really important just to listen (laughs) to people and to just be open minded because you don't know everything, you don't understand everything, and that's okay, and that's how we learn and grow, and um, so many people are like, you're lying, and then blah, 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 and I'm like, you know what, that's okay if you feel that way, you know, do what you got to do, but you're not the person going through it, and you're honestly genuinely never going to understand it until you or someone you know go through it, and I'm not going to sit here and try to force you to understand it. It's up to you for your interpretation. Absolutely, and so um, just like learning that just being very like open-minded with everything because I was very frustrated with doctors who weren't. Um, and bedside manner. I mean, <laughs> the neurologist, <laughs> what the heck? I've never been treated like that by, by a doctor before ever. And I remember walking out there of that office when I saw, thought I could still be a doctor. And I was like, wow, I cannot wait until I'm a doctor and I'm a better doctor than him. And I'm going to send him a note saying, thank you for putting the fire under my butt to become a better doctor than you. And I'll send it to his office. <laughs> So if they got rid of the mandates, 
if, yeah. if there was a medical school that got rid of it mm-hmm. um, or whatever, would you still go to medical school and become a traditional MD or would you want to become a more functional medicine and like do yeah. what Dr. G did? Yeah. So um, I think it's hard for me to answer that right now, just because like, I would love to be able to change people's lives the way that Dr. G did. Like he is insane angel sent from above. But my passion for the longest time was women and children. And I think um, functional medicine is a lot harder to do for children, just like with regulations and stuff. Um, And I really was really like super into like OB-GYN and doing like the labor and delivery and stuff. And that's typically more in a traditional MD route. So I was so I've thought about that as well. Um, but I, I don't know, I still was kind of still leaning to traditional and people didn't understand how I could still lean that way when it's something that was like in their eyes and my eyes, I guess, too, killing me. Um, but I, again, there's good and bad in both. And a part of me wishes that there was a way that we can just mesh the two. Absolutely. (laughs) I wish there was ways that a doctor could be knowledgeable in both and help you find the answers and which one is like the safest and best for you. Because I think some things are a lot easier to heal sometimes traditional medicine way in other ways, easier with functional. And if we just had someone that kind of could, you know, point us in the right direction with those, I think that'd be really, really nice. And like an ideal magical world, it'd be cool to be like a doctor that could do both, (laughs) but you know, we don't live in a world like that. So. No, but you could, I, I truly hope that these mandates will be removed soon. Yeah. Um, and so that you can, so you can be that doctor that, yeah. you know, that you didn't have, there's this quote, you know, it's like, be the adult you wish you had as a kid or be the role yeah. model you wish you had as a kid. And for the people who don't understand, I, I'm guessing here, yeah. but I'm guessing if you wanted to be a neurologist mm-hmm. and then you had this experience you might not want to continue being a neurologist in the Western medicine sense because of mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. But what you went through had nothing to do with OB-GYN, mother baby, yeah. like that. And so for you, that section or that view isn't tarnished, I guess. Yeah. And so for me, that makes total sense, you know, yeah. that you still, that that's the route you want to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people can go through horrible shit and, still have respect for it Mm -hmm. yeah and I think um exactly you said take the words out of my mouth pretty much but um I still think that if the vaccine mandates were taken away realistically I wouldn't be able to still um just because at this point I'm already taking an extra gear it takes another year to get into school like med school whole process and then it's another four years of school and then another four to six for residency. And at that point, yeah. I'm going to be like mid thirties, late thirties. And I think I've like finally kind of accepted that it's just not my route right now anymore. And I don't want to keep myself in this like weird in between waiting for that to occur and then start my like schooling and career. That's fair. I, I think this is a sign that it wasn't meant for me and I need to just find something new, find a new passion or just channel that same passion into something else. And I know that I'm capable of doing that. So Absolutely. that's kind of where my mindset is right now. I'm kind of exploring different ventures. Um, 
I mean, you know, my mom, she's a creative girl and I grew up also being very creative, but I kind of had to suppress that when I was focusing on my schooling. Yeah. So I'm letting myself kind of venture into that a little bit. I'm doing like marketing internships and like trying out little things. So I have everything possible to play my cards with, and then I can kind of figure it out for that from there when opportunities come up. I love it. I love it. Yeah. This I can understand how people, so I often see both sides of an issue. I can understand how some people are like, what do you mean? You don't think all vaccines are bad or, you know, things like that. And then I can also see how you're like, well, I had X amount up until now and I was totally fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I can, I understand that point of view. And I think for a lot of people, it's this black or white issue. Mm-hmm. And they want a label. They want to be put in a box. They want, yeah. and when you don't fit nicely in this little box that they created for you, they can get very angry. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was getting death threats up the wazoo in my Instagram. Cause I wasn't fitting into their box. They're like, doesn't make sense. You should hate it. And I'm like, I don't though. <laughs> and the thing is too, is that I I hate that people were trying to categorize categorize me as anti-vax because of my situation. And I was like, first of all, those words have never come out of my mouth. Second of all, I chose to get it because I was working in a hospital and I wanted to be an extra helping hand on um, a COVID unit. So, you know, as someone who's working on a COVID unit on her own free will, like not forced to do it, not forced to get the vaccine, it was a choice. And then doing it because I told my mom, I go, how cool would it be if I'm working on a COVID unit and I could tell my kids that I was like, what was I 20 years old working on a COVID unit? Like, that's cool. Like, I want to be a badass. So that's why I did it. And, then, <laughs> um, you know, everything else happened. And it again, like I did it because I wanted to and I did it because I thought it was a good idea for me. And it might not be a good idea for other people. And that's OK. And I think people didn't understand that aspect of it. Like, if you don't want to get it, I don't care. Don't get it. And if you want to get it, by all means, go for it. But I think the biggest thing is that I wish I knew more information about it. And that was like, I think the hardest part. And if I knew more information, would I have gotten it or not? I don't know. I really don't. I still, you know, you never know, but um, it would have been nice to at least have more of that. All I literally, when I got mine, I got a piece of paper that just was like, do you have heart problems? Nope. Perfect. Sign your name and you're getting the vaccine. So they didn't do any pre-screening, they didn't do anything. And it just made me realize like there's some parts that were a little bit broken in the system with that. And I think that if they just fix those issues, if we could figure out why some people are having hyperimmune responses and why people aren't, let's figure that out, figure out the triggers, and then we can screen for those. And so people can still get the vaccine and be healthy and, you know, live their life. And if people have the triggers or whatever it is that's, you know, occurring in us, and we can pre-screen for them, let's prevent it from happening. And then we have both sides happy all that matters. (laughs) Like we just need to have more information and just be informed. And then we also shouldn't be like, you know, like I was treated so badly for having anything related to the vaccine. Doctors for other people that I know didn't want to treat people that had vaccine issues because they didn't want to be categorized as working with someone who had a reaction to the vaccine. And it was just, for me, my whole story was more like one informed, just, I need to be informed. I need knowledge on what's going on in my body, why I'm doing it. So I can make a great educated, you know, decision. And two, I I deserve the same rights, the same amount of care as anyone else, no matter what my illness is, no matter what my sickness is. And that was, I think the hardest part that I just wasn't being treated the same as someone else. 
that was well, like having issues. What, what boggles my mind is they at various points basically called you a hypochondriac and said it was all in your head. So if they thought, if they, I'm not saying it was, if they yeah. thought it was all in your head, if you're saying it's from a vaccine and they think it's in your head, why do they care then? Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they think you're a hypochondriac. So you could say it's from a little blue alien, right? Yeah. If, if they, if they think you're crazy. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. why did it matter? Why did that specific thing matter? Would they've treated you better if you had said it was from a little blue alien? Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. They did not like me too much. I got, I was well known around that hospital. <laughs> I was there so much. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's weird to me that it was so difficult to be seen. And like, if I wasn't an easy case, they literally threw me to the side. And if anything, I was like, shouldn't you guys want to be eager? Like me again, me sitting there wanting to be a doctor. I'd be like, I'd be freaking staying up all night trying to understand what's wrong with this girl, you know? And I wasn't getting that. And so I was like, why does nobody care? Like I was at one hospital. I don't know if my mom shared this part with you, but one night I was having um, heart problems. I think it was like right after the 4th of July around then. And um, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I couldn't breathe. And it was like the weirdest pain I've ever had. And I was like, you know, I think I need to go. And we had to go to a different hospital than normal because it was closer and she was scared something was going to happen. Yeah. So I come in with having heart problems, possible heart attack. And they don't see me for like 20 minutes. Then I do an EKG. It's a little weird, uh, but not too crazy, but still something's up. And they tell me that. But then I'm waiting for like another 30, 40 minutes maybe even longer, honestly. And I, there's no room in the hospital for waiting. Like I'm literally laying on like a chair, like this on top of my mom. Cause there's no space for us, like just terrible. And I finally get to the room girl comes in and she's like, you know, do you have any past health problems? And I was like, well, girl, let me tell you. <laughs> yep. And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. This is this, that, this. And, um, one of my doctors that I saw in the ER has said that some people are getting this with a vaccine. And I don't know if that's what it is, but that seems to be the only thing that's been semi-consistent. Um, and I've never had health problems, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, what makes you think a vaccine could ever do this to you? Are you kidding me? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I looked and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't be talked to like this. Like, what do you, I'm like, why you tell me you're the one that's supposed to know this, not me, like help me figure out why it's doing this. And she basically from there, and that was the beginning of our, our introduction. And after that, she kind of just treated me absolutely terrible, like didn't care, was rough with me with everything. Like I was in pain, told her that um, I had like chest pains and she was like putting her whole body on me. And I was like screaming out in pain and she just didn't care. And like thought I was making everything up basically. And um, then she just told me to take Tums and some Advil and go home. And I... She didn't even like take off my heart monitor stuff. I was still in my gown. They didn't tell me to do anything. They just disappeared. And I was just supposed to walk out of the hospital, like not even like fully discharged. It was very weird. Um, and I like looked at my mom when we were leaving out of the hospital after that, like four hours of that. And it's now probably like 11, almost midnight. And I look at my mom and I go, mom, I don't feel safe going home. I think I might die in my sleep. And she was like, shit. Okay. <laughs> let's go. We're going to go get gas and we're going to get a midnight snack and we're going to go to the ER. So we got like, I don't even know. I think about like Reese's Pieces, which is again, not our healthiest choices, but it was like our only source of like happiness for that moment. And, um, booked it to 
the other hospital. And when I went in, I was like, yeah, I'm having these problems, whatever. And they just thought again, it was kind of like an acid reflux thing. And then again, I was there two days later and they, it was the first time. So like I got, I got in there and it was me saying that I couldn't breathe and I had chest problems and I couldn't eat. And they thought I had like strep throat. So they put me in like a, a tiny little room. that's like not important, basically like the non-important people of the hospital. Yep. And doctor comes in and he's like, yeah, tell me about your health problems. And I do. And he's like, oh, we got to move you to a different room. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So he moves me to a different room. He's like, okay, you are going to tell me. And this is the craziest part. He asked me if I got my vaccine. And I said, yes, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, we're moving you to a different room. And I go, okay. As we're walking there, he goes, you're going to tell me every single thing that's happened down to the hangnail from the moment you got your vaccine. And I looked at my mom and I was like, holy shit. I think this is like him connecting it to that. And it was like a holy shit moment. And he sat there and listened for like two hours and he wasn't really able to do a whole lot for me, but for him to sit there and like keep checking in on me and hearing about my story was like at least comforting to know that he believed me. And he was like, I wish there was something I can do for you, but I'm an ER doctor. I don't have the specialties of all these different things that you need me for. But he's like, but I hear you. You're not alone. This is happening. And like, it's very real. And you need to push and like keep pushing until you can figure it out. And so he helped me get through the night and eat. And then um, it was kind of like my little extra spark of like, okay, maybe I can get, maybe I can find help. And then that's what, you know, sparked my mom to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's so many different things, you know, that you say that I I want to interrupt and I'm like, no, just, you you have to let her talk. You have to let her talk. Just be quiet. You know, (laughs) you're you're the host, not the guest. No, you can interrupt me. I (laughs) ramble, so. No, and no. I, I forget my like memory loss. Sometimes I kind of forget what I'm talking about. So then I just keep talking. <laughs> no, you're good. It's just, I have gone through a lot of those things where the doctors just look at you and go, huh, you're fun. Or, Hey, yeah. I've only seen you in a textbook. Uh, my favorite. And I now uh, affectionately refer to myself as this is I am a unicorn zebra. Mm-hmm. I am com- very rare. They have never seen me before and mm-hmm. they bring in all the med students to listen to me and look at me and poke and prod and yep. I get put on display and yeah, it's, it, it's great. Yeah. Have you ever, um, requested your full medical chart? Um, I think I have it. Not like, like if you go to like the online thing where you can like print out the notes, like your full medical chart. Oh, maybe no. Cause I, I know so, I can like, see things online, but other than that, then no. So not the online things. The reason okay. I'm asking, so there was this whole incident where I refused a PCR test mm-hmm. and I ended up requesting my medical records and in the written medical records that I couldn't see online, mm-hmm. I was labeled argumentative and uncooperative. Oh. I would love to for you to yeah. get your, you can like request your full medical record. Yeah. And see the doctor's notes, see what they said about you in the ER. Interesting. I would love, like, I would love to know what they said, because I've been labeled that many times. Interesting. I didn't know that because I, I know my online ones, I can see notes, but I wonder if there's, like you said, like other notes. It's never in the online stuff. It's never in the stuff that you're going to see. It is usually, um, it's usually the handwritten stuff, to be honest with you. Sometimes it's typed out but it's in your full medical record. Okay. And it's, I should do that. It's super interesting. And then it's also interesting too, because while they're writing these notes, 
they'll have their thought process in there sometimes mm-hmm. of we thought it was this, we ruled out this, but they don't actually tell you any of that. Yeah. So to see what they ruled out or what they thought it was, was also super interesting to me. And since I'm a nerd like you, and I yeah. mean that in the most loving way possible, yeah. um, <laughs> like not a dig, like, I mean that with all the love no, in the no. world. <laughs> um, it was always super interesting to read mm-hmm. how they yeah. got, you know, how, their thought process and the things that they never actually said to my face. Yeah, because they've said audacious stuff to you and they said audacious stuff to me but sometimes the stuff they write down is even crazier yeah I should do that I didn't even think about that hmm. interesting yeah it's it's wild yeah I'm gonna have to have my mom request that and we'll have to like we'll see and then I, when I get him back I'll let you know yeah yeah you're gonna have to let me know just because I'm super curious I remember getting that back and I was like reading through my surgical notes and stuff and th- that was in there. And I was like, Oh, that, yeah. that, that's nice. Cause it's, I, cause I dared to ask questions. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny that you mentioned how you're like nerdy, like me and you like to know everything and like research and all that stuff. I, when I was like also in my peak of kind of like downhill, when I had all these people reaching out to me, I made as I made like a ton of um, support groups for people going through this around the world, I tried connecting people that were like in the same countries with each other. So if they That's were cool. finding a doctor that worked or treatment, they could, you know, bounce off yep. each other. Um, so I was doing that. And while I was doing that, I was like, can you guys send me your blood tests? And they're like, what? And I was like, please, can I just see your test? And I started trying to like cross-reference. So we, there was a point where we were making like Google spreadsheets of people's like, they're, they're like gender, their age, they're like, whether they've had um, like certain viruses and whether they haven't, whether their test shows this and that. We were trying to like cross-reference and figure it out ourselves if we could figure out what was going on in our bodies. Because we're like, there's got to be something common between all of us that we can't figure out that's just triggering this. And um, we like- I love you. Is that something I would do? <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. And I'll watch me be the one to figure it out. And I'll yep. write a scientific paper and all these doctors are going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> Yep. So um, maybe I should hop back into doing that because I feel like I was at one point making progress. And then I, I just like got really bad to where I started having memory loss and I wasn't able to read correctly. So I had to take a break. So I wonder, we're going to get a little nerdy here for the yeah. listeners and just just roll with it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's either a specific gene that you guys have or, or an epigenetic marker where something is turned on on a gene or off. Yeah. And that's, what's causing everything because the traditional lab, but I also know like traditional lab tests don't Mm -hmm. measure necessarily what's in your cells. It measures what's in your blood. And so there's certain things like your iron levels that are actually a blood test doesn't really tell you much about your iron levels. It's because your iron Mm -hmm. is stored in your tissues. So there's all these different things that maybe let's say your iron level was supposed to be a hundred and you're like, yeah, it's 98. It's fine. And I'm making up numbers here, people. Um, but in reality, in your muscle, it was really high or really low. And we, you just weren't getting the most accurate measurement of those things. Mm -hmm. So I wonder like all of those different things, because it doesn't make it, sorry, it doesn't make sense that you can have all of these tests and be quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. and feel that inflammation feel yeah 
that chronic pain, your yeah. body you just like, see it. I'm like, you, yeah. I can't fake this. My leg is twice the size as my left leg, you know, telling me I'm faking this in my head. Like it, It's all there, but nothing, even my inflammation markers weren't popping up. Like nothing was popping up. And I was like, but I can see it. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. But I totally, I totally agree with you. And I, I also was looking into seeing if, um, if there was like viruses that we all had when we were younger or something that could trigger some sort of response as well, or like something turning on and off. But um, it's just hard to see everyone's because I wasn't able to get everyone's information on all right. the stuff. So, excuse me. One thing that would be interesting too is to see if you all had the same vaccine at some point like in a childhood Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. or if you all received it at around a certain age Mm -hmm. because maybe if you received it I don't know when you were six as opposed to when you were 10 that did something as you were growing or like there's so many different there's so many different factors that trying to isolate what that one thing is is so hard yeah agreed yeah, but I I would love to be the one to figure it out. <laughs> I that would be so satisfying, especially after everything I've gone through. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I, I worked in labs for years. Mm-hmm. Um I got away from it for many reasons. Yeah. But I love the pure science. Mm-hmm. Not the science with the dollar sign that like they make you repeat stuff just to get the answers that they want. Cause I, yeah. I had to do that. Yep. But the pure science that you're doing, like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what this is, why, yeah. why did this happen to me? Why is this happening to thousands of other people? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's happening to so many people and people don't understand that. And it's like, there's so many people that finally know that it's connected or they finally kind of put those connections together, but there's so many people who are also probably like still don't know that connection, you know, like there's maybe people who haven't seen my story. haven't seen other people's stories to make that connection. They just think they're having some weird freak anxiety problems. Like their doctor's telling them, but it's vaccine related. And so there's just so, and there's way more people than we know out there that are going through this, which tears me apart because I don't know. It's like nothing I can do about it right now. And I wish I could, because if it's anything like what I went through, I don't wish that upon my worst enemy, you know? Yep. It's terrible. Yeah. Having there'd be different times I've had various bouts of chronic pain that were completely unexplainable or, you know, um, different things that I've gone through. I used to wish I would be like, if this doctor could feel what I'm feeling for just Mm -hmm. two minutes, maybe they would be motivated to help me. Maybe they'd want to tell me, maybe they'd understand. Maybe I'm not describing this well enough. And like for the longest time I was blaming it on me. Like maybe if I just said it a little bit differently, or maybe yeah. I used a different tone or a different word, like, and if I tried to, cause I did what you did of, you learned all those things. You learned the medical terms. Mm-hmm. I remember telling one doctor using the medical terms correctly, mm-hmm. what something was. And they're like, they get kind of taken back. They're like, wait. <laughs> well, I was told that I just uh, looked it up on WebMD and I was making it all up and I couldn't oh. have known what those words were. Of course. Right. So classic. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. but no, like, yeah, no, I, I was doing the same thing. I remember 
because again, this is my peak MCAT vibe. So I was like, I'm gonna soak in everything that's happening to me because I'll use it as a learning experience as well. Yep, yep. And I was coming in, like asking them questions. They're like, well, I'm gonna run this test. I'm like, but why? Because this is fine and that's fine. And that's coming back normal. So why are you doing that? What is this gonna tell me? And I'm like questioning them on everything. And they're like, what the heck, kids? You know? Yep, yep. But I'm like, I, if I didn't ask you these questions, you wouldn't be doing it. Or if I wasn't asking about Lyme disease, or if I wasn't asking about all these possible other things, you wouldn't have tested me for them, you know? Oh yeah. And so it's like, they just wanted to like bandage me and leave me to the streets and figure it out rather than me sitting there like, no, 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 you're going to, you're going to make me do these tests and you're going to figure out what's wrong with me. And they were taken back by how I was acting. Cause I, there's one point where I switched from being very passive I will say I was in the beginning pretty passive. My mom had to be like, Maddie, no, you're in pain. Tell them you're in pain. Because they're like, oh, like, you know, how's the pain level? I'm like, you know, it's not great. But like, that's just how I am. Like, I'm like a funny gal. So I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm in so much pain. And my mom was like, no, Maddie, be honest. I was like, fine. Okay. And I did. And then I started like hitting them all these questions. And they're like, whoa. (laughs) And it helped a bit, but, you know, not enough. But yeah. That's, I was the same way though, but I wasn't told that I was looking it up and that's really, that's upsetting that a doctor would do that to you as well. I don't know. I don't know why they think that's okay to treat people like that. I dare, I, I'm willing to bet money that somewhere in your chart, at least once you're labeled either uncooperative, argumentative, <laughs> like something along those lines. I'm, I'm willing to bet money. Crazy. On that. <laughs> like Probably. I'm willing to bet money. Probably my mom too they're probably like the mom with her as well <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh I, they're, they're, if your mom spoke up especially <laughs> exactly. since you you were over 18 right mm-hmm. you were over 18 yeah so you especially during covid mm-hmm. they probably weren't allowing a lot of uh, advocates chaperones yeah. parents yeah. you know whatever spouses in mm-hmm. and uh i guarantee there, there's probably notes about your mom oh like God. Oh yeah. The final time we were in the ER when I like, I was doing unwell with my eating and my esophagus and like my chest and all all that. He was like, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the acid reflux or or something along those lines. My mom goes, you know what? Bullshit. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, mom. (laughs) And she's like, no, Maddie, I'm just calling it how it is. She's like, I know it's not that it's bullshit. (laughs) She's like, you're going to figure it out. You're going to tell me what's wrong. This is not it. And she's like, I'm not leaving until we actually like get a real answer. And at that time I was like, mom, you're being mean to these doctors. But, you know, if she didn't do that, I wouldn't have been treated better. You know, that's when they were like, okay, okay, let's figure it out a little bit more. And that's when he was like, you know, it's probably not that. And I can help you for your right now moments, but I can't help fix your problems. And she started kind of doing that more and more kind of like mama bearing as she would call it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure the doctors loved that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's notes in so when I was eleven, mm-hmm. I broke my left arm going okay. up the stairs. And because I have the radio club hand and stuff, mm-hmm. that you couldn't just set it as like you would your arm or my right arm. Like because yeah. it's curved and like it's 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 a whole thing. Yeah. So they cut, they put, have you ever had a cast? Mm-hmm. No, no, oh. no, no. But I, I've helped 
people. Okay. So you know how they put like that cloth thing on it for your arm, right? So he starts cutting a hole for my thumb and I don't know where my mom was at this point, but I was like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm cutting a hole for your thumb. I said, "Uh, I don't have one. So you can back away from me right now. Cause if you don't recognize that you're not casting me and I'm 11 and he's like, well, I have to. And I said, no, you don't. I was a very defiant child. But I was like, if you don't recognize I have a thumb, you're not casting me. Yeah. And so she asked them, begged them to call my orthopedist in Maryland. We were in Michigan. Yeah. And they refused to the point that they were going to call CPS, Child Protective Services, on my mother because she didn't want them to treat me until they called my doctor. That was her only request. Mm. In those notes, I later requested them as an adult. Mm-hmm. Notes about my mother are in there. Oh, no way. Oh yeah, there's definitely gotta be ones my mom. <laughs> Not that she did anything wrong. She was exactly what I needed, and yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. She was the mama bear I didn't know I needed in those moments. She like mama bared hard, <laughs> but I mean, if she didn't do that, I genuinely don't think I'd be here today. So, yeah, love that mean, woman. yeah, yeah. It's moms are great, and yeah. being able to. uh stand to a doctor they tend not to like you when you do that mm-hmm. some of them will respect you a little bit more and some of them will just go along with it just to please you to shut you up so yeah true but now you're so when did you get the shot the second one um probably like beginning mid-february of 2021 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be because 2020, I do this all the time. So 2020 (laughs) is when it started 2020 end of 2020, 2021 beginning is when they were offered. So yeah, yeah, February, 2021 is sounds about right. So it's been about a year and a half since this whole thing started. It's been a year. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. A year, year and a half since I got my vaccine, but like a year ago from today was when I was literally at my worst pretty much yeah so does that make sense yes it does okay I don't know my brain's like not working right now (laughs) no no it no it totally does and I feel like everyone kind of these past two years is like this weird mesh of time that people are like when was that that was totally I know and then me having cognitive brain problems doesn't help (laughs) listen I had a traumatic brain injury for a while so I get it yeah I was hit by a car and like couldn't read an abstract of a paper. So yeah. Oh oh my gosh. I was babysitting last semester. Like, so um, in the fall winter and they were like, can you read a bedtime story to me? I'm like, sure. And he's like five, six reading this book. And I am, well, I'm trying to read this book and I'm looking at it and the words are just not coming to me. And I was like, no freaking way. So I'm sitting there like freaking out, sweating, like on this beanbag with this book, trying to read this kid his nighttime story. And I'm making up a whole story just based off the photos. And I'm like, well, good thing he can't fully understand what I'm reading. But I'm hoping this isn't his favorite book that he just like knows the whole story to. I'm making a whole new story to it right now. And I, I called my mom after that. And I was like, mom, we have an issue. I can't read a child's book. And so that's when I was like, oh no, I'm still having problems. So we ended up having to drop like half of my classes. I was taking 19 credits at the time, which is absurd, even yes. for a healthy person. Yes, that's absurd. Um, yeah, absolutely absurd. And so I dropped like all of my hardest ones 
which of course at that time, my luck, half of my classes were on the vaccine and immunology. <laughs> so I'm like having brain problems. I can't read. And all my classes are about how great COVID vaccine is. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so unwell. So I dropped all those ones basically and just stayed in like social classes that were on like child abuse, I think, or like sociology stuff like crime and justice and all that. Um, so it's easier for my brain to process. Is that your minor? It's my kind of like a minor. It's like, um, you call it an interdisciplinary cluster. So it's like okay. half of a minor just because I didn't have enough time to finish a minor and now I don't want to do extra classes. I don't have to do, no, <laughs> but, yeah. um, it's like, I originally went in for social services cause I, when I was planning on going into the med field, I was either going to work with kids or women. So, um, a lot of my classes were like child abuse and like domestic abuse and um, like kind of like that realm so that I'd be able to recognize signs when I was working with either group. Um, but now it's kind of more crime-based just for fun because it was what I was interested in before med school. I was interested in forensics. So I've always been a science girl. I love it. We're kindred spirits. Yeah. I used yeah. to geek out on like bones and house oh, and yeah. things like that. And mm-hmm. I know there are various points in my life that I'm like, why can't I just find a doctor house? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I, yeah, I was obsessed with all that stuff and I, I still am. I just don't think it was like the right career field for me, but I still geek yep. out on it. And like oh, yeah. my favorite things ever are like murder crime documentaries and like all that kind of stuff. So I still, yes. I still indulge in all of that, but not for career path for me at least. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, so I love like criminal minds and things like that, but I don't ever want to uh, pursue that type of career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what was in, like, I wanted to do it so, so badly. And then I just like read into it more and I was like, maybe it's not, not what I want to do. I don't really want to be around all those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not the best career choice for me. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to be a little bit more happy maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I wanted to, when I first started undergrad, I was like, I'm going to be a genetic counselor and because I loved mine. Yeah. And then I like entered with him over a summer Mm -hmm. and I was like, I cannot give parents bad news every day. Yeah. I, I, nope. I'm like, and so I kept my degree, but I changed like what I wanted to do with it. Cause I was like, Mm -hmm. I I can't give people bad news every day. Like I would, that'd be really hard. Like kudos to the people who do that in whatever career field. Yeah, agreed. I I wanted to go into law for a while. And then I was like, I don't think I can deal with people's problems. I think I'm going to like take, I'm an empath too. So I'm like, I think I'm going to take on all your issues myself. And I don't, I don't have it in me to be able to do that for two people. (laughs) So I ex-nade that idea um, and then went, you know, I've always had a passion to help people in some weird way. So hopefully I can still sit with with whatever else I'm going on, have going on. Um, We'll see. I don't know. Um, and I, and I'm still, yeah, thank you. And, um, I feel like I still am doing it and I kind of just going back to whatever, sorry, I'm like jumping around. You're good. Um, but again, like the one thing that people never understood when they were like, why aren't you mad about hospital vaccine, whatever. I feel like I was supposed to go down this path. And I think I I may have said that when I jumped on when my mom Mm -hmm. was on with you, but like, I don't believe in a higher spirit really. I don't believe in any of that stuff, but like, kudos to you if you do but um I just know something someone somehow put me in the place that I am and put me in the situation that I am and I'm not angry about it and they were people did, did not understand that they didn't understand how I had no anger 
I was told I was faking it because I was smiling. I was laughing about it. I was making jokes on TikTok. I was, you know, trying to enjoy my life when I had good days, bad days, whatever. And it's simply because, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I think that was my like aha moment. And if I didn't think that way, and if I didn't finally just let myself, you know, say, you know what, you're supposed to go through this. I think I would have literally probably like in another way, like hurt myself even more. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have probably been here today as well, just because I think it helped me gain hope and confidence that I could figure something out and find a way out of it. And so I channeled a lot of my, um, my time and my little tiny bit of energy towards helping other people. And I think that's what freaked my mom out at first, because the second my story went viral, I was getting flooded with like thousands of DMs and I still was like half paralyzed and tremoring in the hands, like all those issues. But I was sitting there on DMs, like telling people like, you got this, we got it girl. Like, don't worry, we're going to be fine. And I'm still, you know, sending all these things to people and at my peak of like, just, I'm not doing well, but I'm telling everyone they're going to do great. And I'm like trying to be the positive light they needed because I'm having people on my DMs saying that their family members aren't even there for them because they don't believe them. And, um, you know, I was like, if I can just be the tiny bit of motivation you need to push yourself, I'm going to be that for you because I have my mom and I know she's doing it for other people. And I'm going to try to spread it for you, you guys too, because we, I felt very alone for the longest time. And once I found all these other people, I realized I wasn't. And I was like, I need you to realize that you aren't. Yep. You aren't alone because I was two seconds away from being like, I'm done. I'm giving up. Yep. And if I would have like fully let myself like feel that, I honestly, again, I don't think I'd be here today. Yeah. And um, down the road, I had people reach out to me, telling them how I changed their life, how I talked them out of committing suicide, how I... Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, sorry. No, no, um, I'm tearing up too. I have goosebumps. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, just like so many people saying that they wouldn't be here mentally, like physically without me because they were, you know, thinking that they were alone. They were about to, you know, end their life because they couldn't do it anymore. And they thought there was no hope yeah. and I was their hope. And to know that I was able to do that for someone else, even if I'm not able to be there physically, even if I can't give them the help, the treatment that they need or the answers that they want, if I can at least give them that bit of hope and like motivation, then that's what I know I'm here for. Yep. And it gives me a sense of like, you did it. You went through all your shit. You went through the hardest parts and you did it for a reason. And all my doors that were closed, like med school, whatever else it may be, were closed for a reason and new ones were opened up sorry no don't you do do not apologize (laughs) do not apologize um but yeah like just new ones opened up for me that were meant to be and it took me a little bit to kind of like fully get that and understand that and I'll give the credit to this one lady in my neurologist's like um office she (laughs) the first time I walked in after I was told I needed to get my brain checked, <laughs> she was out there um, checking out and I checked out at the same time as her and I'm bawling my eyes out because he told me I could have MS and all these other problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm bawling my eyes out. She has no idea why. And she's like this cute little grandma. <laughs> and she's like, oh, honey, like you're going to be okay. And I like couldn't look at her without bawling my eyes out. And I'm just like sniffling, crying, disgusting. I have like a ball cap on, like hiding my face. <laughs> 
and she's like can I can I grab your hands I'm like yeah I, don't know. I was like sure <laughs> and she's like I don't know if you're religious or not but she's like I'm gonna pray for you and she prays for me and she says all these amazing things and the thing that stuck with me at the end which is what I kind of just said to you is that you know God for whatever doors you're closing make sure you're opening up bigger and better ones for her and I took that with me all throughout this process and um I think that that's something that also really helped me get through like what I went through and like accept it and get through all those grieving processes fast. So I didn't allow that to like hurt me at the time. Cause I needed every ounce of my ability to heal and I needed all my energy yeah. to heal. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, again, like that were going through the same thing. They're like, how are you not upset? How are you not mad at yourself for getting it? And I'm like, there's nothing I can do. Nothing I can change. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to waste my time crying. I'm not going to waste my time being upset at myself for doing something I thought was right, that we all yeah. thought was right. So use that energy you have to be positive. Use that energy to soak up your good days. And that's the only way you're going to be able to heal because really it's like time. And um, yeah, so that's kind of like how I made my way through that, pushed myself through it and stayed positive through it all and um, kind of like found my my purpose through it, I guess. Yeah. That gave me goosebumps and <laughs> I'm crying over here and you're crying and please don't ever apologize for crying. And <laughs> you've gone through shit. I don't sugarcoat shit. Okay. So you've gone through some shit. Yeah. And there are points that I wanted to scream when you're telling me, you know, the doctor is, you know, who's the asshole and yeah. You know, I could just, I could relate to a lot of things that you're saying, not that I I didn't get the COVID vaccine. I didn't live through the thing that you lived through, but the fact that you found purpose in all of this shitty stuff and used that to help people is exactly why I started this podcast Yeah, because there's like exactly what you said. There's so many people who think they're alone in something and they're not. They're, they're, they're really not, but trying to find that person who is like you and going through that same shit and finding that community. So I really like, I'm so thankful that you came on here and shared your story because I know that someone's going to hear it, who needs to hear it. And they're going to be able to reach out to you yeah. and you're going to be able to help them. And you know, that. you know, you, you said you started, you got into science because you wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why I got into science too. Yeah. And you're still helping people. And I hope you realize that, like, even though you're not, you know, you, you're not, you don't want to do medical school or anything like that. Like to your point, you know, maybe that was a door that you weren't supposed to walk through you know, yeah. but you were supposed to learn all that information to do something else with it. And I can't tell you what you're supposed to do with that, you know, yeah. but I don't know. Like, I wish I could give you a hug. I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, if I ever come to California, I, we're hanging out. We're giving hugs and we're hanging we're, out. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm giving you all the hugs in the world. I'm giving you <laughs> all the hugs in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it was definitely a big learning experience, learning process. I grew a lot in this past year for sure, and I'm very proud of the woman I've become for sure. Like I'm so proud, I've come a long you way. Should be, 
found a lot of strength in my weaknesses, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I also, and I'm still kind of like giving myself little learning lessons, but I think um, it really taught me to be my authentic self. Yep. And that's why I have my like blog blog and like my saying of like, speak your truth. Because um, speak your truth can be for anything. It doesn't have to be a vaccine injury. It could literally Mm -hmm. be absolutely anything. And I just think it's the way that we should all be living our life. Like you can speak what you can believe in what you want to believe in. But the biggest thing is, you know, staying true to your authentic self and saying your truth and your truth might not be the same for everyone else. Your story, your experience, everything might not be the same and that's okay. And you just got to stay true to yourself. And um, that's like one of the biggest things that I really think I got out of this whole experience is just, you know, learning to be genuine, learning to be myself and not allowing any of these crazy things that have occurred, obstacles, speed bumps, if you may, um, (laughs) (laughs) kind of, you know, halt my, my growth or halt my life and just take it as a, take it at a grain of salt, but also learn from it. You know, these tiny little things. I mean, my life experience probably wasn't that tiny, but you know, (laughs) just learn from it is basically all I'm saying. And, And just being true to yourself and yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> I don't think we could end this on a better note, to be honest with you, because there was definitely speed bumps along this conversation. You know, yeah. there's happy, there's sad, there's cry. Like we, we've gone through all of it and I love it. I absolutely love it. And I want to thank you again yeah. so much for coming on here and sharing your perspective and just truly, truly grateful. Of course. If and I'm going to put it in the show notes, but if someone wants to reach out to you, can they, and how, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Um, I'd probably say Instagram DM is the best way. Um, if for some reason someone doesn't have that, or they have like a longer story, if they want to send me other like information. Um, I also have my email in my Instagram. So I always check my email every day as well. So they can reach me there if they need as well. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maddie. I love you. You're a light. And I am so, so happy that you came in on your mom's episode and made, <laughs> made that little connection and like. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm very thankful to have met you as well. And I'm very thankful for you allowing me to share my story. It's not, it's a very polarizing story. And so it's sometimes hard to find someone that will listen and genuinely listen. So I really, really appreciate anybody who can have an open ear and an open heart for my story. Yeah, absolutely. I don't judge anyone that comes on here now in the future past whatever um I didn't walk in your shoes you know people can judge from the outside and go oh you should have done this or you should have done that or listen unless you were the one living it like just keep your don't be the peanut gallery (laughs) like just keep your opinions to yourself unless it's something that can help me in the now you can keep your opinions to yourself yeah Thank you again. Um, And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Speed Bumps. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you gained something from it. I know I did. And I hope y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day.